Community Alliance with Family Farmers presents the Farmer's Beat podcast. That's B-E-E-T. Hi, my name is Grace Perry. I work at Community Alliance with Family Farmers, also known as CAF. I am the host of these episodes where we hear directly from small family farmers throughout California, getting the real information and the stories behind the food we grow and eat. In this series, we pay particular attention to the innovative work small-scale farmers are doing to keep their food safe to eat and share techniques farmer to farmer. Hi, my name is Shannon Wamond, and I'm Michael Wamond, and we are the co-owners of Hillview Farms here in Lincoln, California. Hillview Farms is an organic diversified vegetable farm located in Placer County, California. They believe strongly in the simple idea that healthy soils equal healthy families equal healthy communities and work hard to ensure that their soils yield the very best quality produce for the community to enjoy. Michael and Shannon got their start in farming in a very roundabout way. We actually met in college. We both had degrees in social justice, so we knew we wanted to do something to help people. We graduated at the tail end of the recession and we couldn't find jobs. And Michael's parents had this beautiful property up here in Auburn and they really were the driving force. They were like, hey, like, just come up to the land and see what you can do with it. And we gave it a shot. We just came up and dove right in. We had no idea what we're doing. Um, We really started from zero and we just fell in love with growing food. Once we started, we really couldn't go back. We, we started really small, just growing for our neighborhood and expanded from there. We farmed on our property, which was a three acre parcel, and then we leased land from a bunch of neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great to get started, but it wasn't sustainable in the long run because we needed some security that we were going to be able to farm the land that we were on long term. Um, so we started small, like Michael was saying, and then we got enough capital to eventually purchase the property that we're at today, which is a 10-acre parcel out here in Lincoln that we were able to expand onto. For a while there, we were doing both properties, but now we're just on this farm, which is which has been great. We don't, we're not going to be farming the whole 10 acres. We don't have the intentions to do that, but it's great to just have everything all in one spot, and we love being here. Hillview is a busy working farm with a small but dedicated crew. And as they say, they are always busy growing delicious food for the community. We're about two acres in production, and it just depends on kind of like how you want to break it down or you talk to. It's probably spread out over five acres, but it's about 140, 100 foot beds, 48 inch on center. So you can kind of piece that together. Um, We have a good amount of under like tunnels. So there's about, I don't know, probably about 40 beds under tunnels and stuff for season extension also too with just the heat it's actually like more shade houses now and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, employees wise it fluctuates through summer to winter time around six people five to six people full time that doesn't always happen that way but because we break it up depending on who comes here so there's a lot of them are part-time because they do live locally and they have other jobs and things like that Um, but that's kind of like the breakdown for what we need and then we're certified organic by CCOF. And then that's our, our crops. We pretty much do, you know, like mostly direct market farms. We do a lot of different things. We do break it down into 
our two biggest crops would be tomatoes and lettuce mix. Yeah, still pretty farmer's market heavy. It's got to be close to, um, it fluctuates just definitely yeah. now with uh, the pandemic and sales outlets changing and we're actually having growth as well. But it's still about 60%, I would say, uh, direct to consumer, so right to farmer's markets. Um, we do two year-round farmer's markets, Auburn, is um, really great, has a great atmosphere. Roseville at the Fountains is also really great for like main season. And then our wholesale accounts, uh, a lot of our food actually goes up to Tahoe. So we work with uh, aggregator, the Tahoe Food Hub, mm -hmm. and they take a lot of product, especially in the winter time. It's hard to plan sometimes with their seasonality because they're such a tourist destination. A the lot of small Grocery. grocery store mm -hmm. retail locations. We are a newer account for us is the Sacramento Natural Food Co-op that's been taking a lot of our food. They really go out of their way to get local product. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've worked with some like, I guess you could call them like mom and pop retail stores here in town. Um, and then, gosh, I feel like we have a lot of outlets, but then we also have our own uh, version of a CSA that's not technically a traditional CSA. We call it our online farm stand. A main attraction of the farm is the amazing weekly farm box, which is a pre-packed box with $25 plus worth of the very best of what's in season. The box's contents will change weekly based on seasonality. People can order on our website. Bulk of it is a $26 CSA box. Um, we pick what's in it, best of what's in season. And then people can also buy additional bulk items, um, mm -hmm. so like flats of tomatoes or bags of cucumbers or things like that. The COVID-19 pandemic impacted many farmers and forced them to think outside the box. Although it was extremely difficult at times, that time period ended up being the best year in sales for Hillview Farms. Yeah, last year was both extremely difficult, but it also ended up being our best year sales-wise. A weird silver lining about the pandemic was that everyone started paying attention to where their food was from. And they're like, oh wow, food channels are all mixed up. Farms, they grow food. Oh my gosh, you're a farm, you grow food. And it's like, yeah, we've been growing food. So we had a huge amount of attention all at once. That was wonderful, but it was almost hard to navigate because um, we were getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And of course, all of our, we were used to just like really simple wholesale accounts where we could just move things in all one go. But we ended up selling a huge amount of produce. We did try to shift our market streams because we didn't know if the farmer's markets were going to stay open. So we did do a lot more stuff here on farm um, that people love. People, I mean, we're not too close. We're It's about a 25-minute drive from where most people live. So people did that drive, came out here just to get produce, which was wonderful. Yeah, and then the dust had, I mean, it was intense. But coming out of it, the dust has settled a little bit. Um, it's definitely not as crazy now. But hopefully we made a mark on a couple of people who showed up all at once. We hope. <laughs> COVID-19 is not the only problem the farm has had to navigate. They've also been feeling the effects of climate change. Yeah, it was a tough run there because yeah. climate change and being aware of like, it's not just the pandemic, but it's also the everything else that's been going on. At the end of 2019, we had our first power shutoffs and that was really extreme and stressful because of the fires because of fires yeah, yeah and um, lack of utilities taking care of all kinds of stuff and so that was caused by you know the climate and then we went into the pandemic right away and so we were already kind of like whoa and then we went 
into fire season again, which we didn't see the sky for like a, like a month, you know, so really bad working conditions with heat and smoke. And then you come right out of that and go right into one of the worst droughts manageable. So it's a full on, you know, as, as a small business, we try to stay diversified, not only in our markets, but also in our growing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of changes and flows. So we got lucky kind of where we were starting. We weren't at the beginning where we actually had a little bit of uh, revenue cash flow saved up to have that security so it wasn't just so stressful that we could rely on. And then um, a really good crew and kind of were able to hire people in that kind of bought into it and create this really good bond. And then the customer, you know, they didn't go away. They really kind of came out and still supported us. So just having that really connection with the community in small businesses very, very important. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with our cultural practices or growing practices, we we reduced our tillage, we increased a lot of organic matter. So when we had these bumps of environmental chaos, the crops were actually able to kind of handle it better than I've seen other farms kind of handle things. So it's a it's a full ecological and economical approach. As we move around the farm, we make our way over to Hillview Farms Wash and Pack Station to learn about their process for washing leafy greens and the co-benefits of food safety and ensuring high quality product. The wash and pack area was designed uh, for really two main crops. It was tomatoes and leafy greens. Uh, We do a little bit of root crops. There's a little root crop station, but for leafy green harvest, it's just a team meeting in the morning. You really want to talk about um, the quality of the product, what they're going to see out there. Is there any aphids? Um, you know, splashback from the the dirt on there, especially winter time, it can be pretty mucky. The goal is, you know, get the team out there. We sanitize the wash station, sanitize harvest knives, and then the main goal they know is efficiency and getting the product out as as fast as they can with a high quality to be able to get in the cooler to take that field heat out. It's really, really important, especially um, on days where it's like 105 out, you know, you gotta be up on your game. We, then we kind of split the team up. We'll either go one or two people in the wash station. It's a very simple setup with a jacuzzi into horse troughs, jacuzzi huh. motor, yeah, yeah, just to do the uh, bubbling. And it just goes one dunk, to dunk into dryer. And then we have like SOPs everyone can read. SOPs stand for standard operating procedures and can be used when you want to make sure people follow the same steps every time to get the same end result. For example, how to clean and sanitize the wash station. SOPs are especially effective when they're written down and posted where the activity takes place. Everyone can read. Um, we have certain standards where you have to meet each time the product is moved around. That's a that's a standard check. So they know, hey, this is a good time to look. And the goal is when it goes to the bagging area that the product is already ready to go. And then the person doing the bagging, they'll communicate with the rest of the team, hey, we saw this, you know, we're having a problem with this. When you're harvesting, especially with new people, it always takes about almost 10 times to really kind of go because it's different every harvest. Um, sometimes, you know, it will get a little bit leggy. Um, it started bolting a little bit and maybe had an aphid outbreak. And so you're looking at the crop quality there. Maybe thrips came in. So, you know, you don't want to have the bottom leaves, you know. So there's there's a lot of little 
things that just takes time with your observation skills. So the more communication we have on as a team talking about standards, talking about efficiencies, and then kind of going from there and kind of working at it. Michael explains how they train their employees in the wash and pack station and rely on division of labor to help with efficiency at the farm. It's good that everyone understands the process and it does it at least one time. They don't have to be great at it, but that way they can able to communicate and talk the same language as the person that's out in the field. And the field person can talk the same language as the the washer so they can kind of get on the same page. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's definitely more efficient just to have one person just go for it and just really dial it in when someone usually starts off for like 100 pounds maybe they're doing you know 60 70 pounds an hour and a really good washer with quality product can Mm -hmm. do like 150 to 170 pounds an hour so you're almost doubling production and then that makes a huge difference at the end of the day when we go to clean up or we want to get that last little task and we're really good at stopping the day at uh, seven and a half, eight hours, like that's it. So we have to, within that time frame, you really have to kind of create those efficiencies in communication. Because yeah. it seems so simple. You wash greens, but honestly, there's so many different moving parts going on all at once and it's all about timing. So it really is like a dance. You have to like plan in your head, like I know the spinner is going to go for two minutes. So that gives me time to dunk these greens here. And then, after, like, then after that, I'm moving that into the pack. Like, there's so many different. It's simple when you think about it, but it's complicated with the timing, and you got to make sure it, it all comes together seamlessly, and you're not have everything all at once. So mm-hmm. it takes it takes some finesse, definitely. Yeah. Cross contamination is a food safety risk farms have to consider when thinking about their day to day activities. Michael describes the equipment investments they made to reduce risks of cross-contamination during harvest. I mean, it's still a work in in progress, too. A lot of it has to do with, like, financials. Like, you buy a, you know, some of these bins can go from $11 to $17. So, I mean, that's a huge thing, and you're hoping to have them for at least, like, 10, 15 years. 20 years would be great. So you have to be there, like you can't do everything at once. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, keeping stuff clean Mm -hmm. and um, your kind of moving process. Every time you move somewhere, there's an opportunity for it to have something happen to it. So that kind of stops it at a certain place. So Mm -hmm. especially lettuce mix, we have green bins. They're just for the field. They get mucky, they get dirty. Mm -hmm. That comes in here, doesn't really come inside at all. And it's just like, outside wash station so all that dirt and mud kind of stays isolated in one area and we're not traveling it further into the pack area as you'll know like even like our footsteps like you go at the end of the day it's like there's just you know the ground is just covered in muck when it's like raining outside so really helps just kind of keep things clean and then we have uh, sanitation for the other bins and it stores for like yeah. 24 to 48 hours sometimes and good logical practices. It's not the same for everything. We do harvest sometimes right into bins that we know we don't need to transfer it again. So squash is a great example. So we'll take the clean bins that are for the pack area. Those will go out into the field, go right in there, goes right in the cooler. There's no need to transfer transfer and put it into like 
two different bins because we're actually creating more washing, more of this and everything. So different standards for different types of crops. You just think about it kind of logically and what works for you. And then each year you kind of piece it together and kind of build and build. And as your business grows too, like you'll all of a sudden need more bins. And you're like, okay, like, wow. So I like nesting bins. Um, You can find like the bulb crates are really, really popular. Um, it's actually, I think, I think they can be cheaper than actually cardboard boxes, mm-hmm. which is um, pretty amazing, but you have to have the storage for them. I mean, you got 200 bulb crate bins like stacked on each other. That's a lot of storage. So kind of thinking about those things and where mm-hmm. you want to be, but you know, just yeah. fight financially to get where you need to go and then, and then work on the details, I would say. When the farm scaled up their leafy greens production, Shannon and Michael decided to invest in using Sanidate 5.0, a parasitic acid-based sanitizer approved for use on organic farms, to sanitize their tools and equipment and wash water. So we really started using um, different, you know, first the research and looking at this stuff. There's a lot of different things out there. but when we started going more to grocery stores, yeah. that was that was something that we wanted to make sure that we're not having any E. coli or anything like that. Also, when we had more employees, mm-hmm. that was that was kind of a thing where it was just us. We could we know and we have this. Sometimes someone is not maybe doesn't have the same eyes that we have, and they were growing food outside, and there's maybe a bird was on it or something, and yeah. that person, you know, we just don't <laughs> see all these things. Yeah, so yeah, we haven't had a problem sourcing it during certain types of year. I know that the pandemic, like every, all industries were kind of messed around, but hopefully that's a blimp and that's not like traditional. Mm-hmm. And then you do need, uh, for us in our, our area, you need a pesticide uh, right. license. So we are the ones that handle that. There's protocols that you need to follow because it is a concentrate. With many years of dialing their wash and pack area, Shannon and Michael share what they've learned. I would say to think about like your flow. So think about a harvest day, a typical harvest day that you're experiencing. Where are things coming in from? Where is your end goal? What Michael and I did that really helped was we wrote out a flow chart of where all the moving parts are, where, where the traffic is, where the dirty stuff's coming in, where we want the clean stuff to end up. And we really just, it was a, a system. And it's diff- it was different for our farm. It's going to be different for any farm. So just think about what works for your farm. Mm-hmm. And think simply and do little, small, attainable steps to get you to your goal. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what I would say. I would always think cooler space. You know, yeah. make sure you have adequate cooling and a big enough cooler. There's If you're going to do all that hard work and then fail at the ends because you didn't set up your infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's, why are you even doing this? It's just too much, it's too much work to just be throwing money away. So um, we use a cool bot system. If I had um, more money, I think I would actually go with a traditional cooler. cooler. It's just uh, more of, I don't know if it's efficient, but it, it just doesn't go, when it gets so hot here, it, it'll, that temperature will rise in there and Real refrigerator units are just made for that specific purpose. And then wheels. I mean, yeah. yeah, wheels on everything. Don't be moving stuff around and picking stuff. And um, just make sure your flow is really good with any type of cart or um, dollies or mm-hmm. anything. 
don't don't be picking that stuff up because yeah. you got a couple thousand pounds and you're moving it from the field into the cart off the cart into the pack area this is something we wanted have been wanting to do but i like the idea of setting up your system to be like at its most ideal like how you want it to be clean and then like taking a picture of that and then posting it say if you have employees so then you can physically hand it off to people and being like this is what our standard is this is what we want it to look like at the end of the day and just have it continue as you grow just to have a standard mm -hmm. i think that's important too as you get going too it's like don't don't bite off more like when you're first starting off everything's going to be so new and it's going to be challenging and you know when i first started i was like got really business minded and i would time myself for a lot of things and i realized wow i'm doing way more record keeping that i don't even ever look back at also use your time wisely of what you want to treat keep track of uh, some things don't really matter because it takes you longer now but it's just over time you'll get better at it Michael and Shannon have been farming for over 10 years at the time of this recording, but they still have goals they would like to achieve for Hillview Farms. Michael tells us about what he hopes to accomplish for 2022. Yeah, we we introduced more tunnels, but not necessarily for season extension, mainly main season. And so putting stuff under shade cloth, especially peppers, man, we have such good peppers. And just having that 30% shade on top reduced our sun scold by so much. It's, it's really a game changer and they do so well. We started doing more stuff with tomatoes like that, um, trialing different varieties within the tunnels. And efficiency wise too, we're trying to get better at the greenhouse so finding small tools that we can seed like drop seeders maybe mm -hmm. vacuum seeders that we can seed faster to not have to have someone in there for like an eight hour day um, really kind of make those efficiencies a lot better always learning yeah always, always learning something to learn mm -hmm. yeah we say, I mean, we're going to be farming 10 years but that just means we've done it 10 times it means nothing <laughs> yeah CAF is a nonprofit organization that has been helping small farmers across California with technical assistance and policy advocacy since 1978. If you're curious about things you learned in this episode, head over to our show notes at calf.org slash farmersbeat, that's B-E-E-T, where we have links, resources, and photographs. Be sure to check out Hillview Farms on Instagram at Hillview Farms and share the episode with your friends. Also, follow us on Instagram at calf underscore fam farms to stay up to date on when new episodes are released and see more pictures from the farms featured in this podcast. This podcast would not exist without the funding from the California Specialty Crop Small and Medium Scale Farm Food Safety Technical Assistance Program made possible by the United States Department of Agriculture. The contents of this podcast are solely the responsibility of CAF and do not necessarily represent the official views of the USDA. We thank them for their support of this work and helping real farmers share their food safety tips to other farmers. Are you a farmer interested in being on a future podcast or have a question related to this podcast? You can contact us at thefarmersbeat at calf.org. Thank you for listening and join us for the next episode from CAF, sharing farm fresh insights right from the field and giving voice to sustainable agriculture since 1978.